Well, you know how long you've been married. You start looking alike. Don't be confused. Good morning. We are live this morning at the Father's Church Sunday School class, Wisdom Seekers. And it is my pleasure to uh, stand in for Scott this morning. Um, I had something to teach, and so this is just the way we're doing it. I hope that, uh, and Scott wanted to practice some of the things that they had learned. They finally finished the, the sound and things from the new equipment in the youth room, and he wanted to have an opportunity to work on that, and so this kind of killed two birds with one stone. And this morning, I'm going to be um, looking at, with you all, the knowledge of God, or knowledge. Um, actually, the last time Scott spoke, I was, I was studying, and he, was, he had mentioned that he was having a hard time with his lesson, so I just started putting this outline together. And yesterday, whenever I was looking to teach today I pulled it up to see if this is what I wanted to go with because I also have something else I was working on this week anyway to say all that that we are here looking at knowledge in the New Testament um, when you look at this word uh, that I'm going to be talking about it is there are a couple of words that are um, actually translated into the word knowledge from the Greek uh, the one that is most often used is, uh, if you look down on your definitions, the word gnosis. And that's a knowing and to know. And it is actually um, a root of the word we're looking at. So um, at the heart of what we're talking about, it's knowing something. It's to know something. But the thing I found curious about uh, epignosis was the fact that it actually comes to um, looking at something and discerning it, acknowledging it. It's a recognition. Um, you know, that's a, that's a personal thing that you do with everything that you encounter in life, is that you acknowledge something to be true, or you say that it's not true, or you don't accept it. This is something that we, it's like a But to look at this word knowledge, which we, of course, studied at great length last year um, during the Wisdom Seminar, talking about the three phases of the impartation of the spirit of wisdom, and knowledge being the first phase. Um, in the Old Testament, that has come from the word mada, which comes from the word yada, and thereby we understand that knowledge in the Old Testament comes through that commune with the Father. And that is how you begin your relationship in this commune and the learning happens while you're communing with the Father. <clears throat> and I would have to say that we know this has to be true in the New Testament too. You know, when you're talking about learning about God and acknowledging who he is, it's going to come through the learning process. And everything that you do learn, you have to actively acknowledge. You have to say within yourself, I accept this is true. This is something that I'm going to adopt. Um, the other aspect of 
This word e um, epignosis is the prefix epi, which means to be in the very center of something, to be upon it. So, I mean, it's you're just one with what you've accepted. So whether what you accept is good or not, it is a part of you. But look at this definition from um, a Google definition, like Webster's or something. It says the act of accepting that something is true or important or that it exists. So oftentimes people may accept something exists, but that doesn't mean that they actually embrace it or move forward in it. So you will see that um, people can reject through um, being <laughs> just not caring and reject what God is providing, even if they know it to be true. But this is still an integral part of how our development actually happens. And I just thought it was interesting. I don't know that it's going to be any kind of earth-shattering revelation or anything, but I do think as part of this process that we've lived for, you know, coming up on 25 years, I feel like this really details how we come into that point of, you know, acknowledging who God is, acknowledging the relationship, and then every point of revelation along the way We've acknowledged that revelation. We've acknowledged what he said. We've acknowledged what he's shown us, and that's how we've grown. So let's just see what these scriptures say, and we're actually going to begin with a scripture that's not on the first page because as I was, I am so bad at outlining. I'm bleh. Um, as I was reading through my final sheet, so I couldn't change it, um, I saw that um, Towards the end, I can't remember on your sheet because mine's a little bit different. I have notes and stuff. Um, Kanos, look under the heading Kanos. I decided to start with this one because it's really pretty basic. This is just talking about It's an active acknowledgement that this is true, and this is what perpetuates that change into his image. Now let's go ahead and go to the first page, uh, back to the first page. Under mystery, Colossians 2, verses 1 through 4 says... For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in agape and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, 
and of the Father and of Christ. That is a mouthful. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So going back up to verse 2, it's really um, important to see this progression of you know, what his desire was, what Paul's desire was for the Colossians, that their hearts would be called alongside what God is doing and united according to that pursuit of the agape, which is his purpose, passionately pursuing what God is doing. This is what leads into having understanding, which is, you know, applying what God is saying to do and understanding that. And then you come into what you're going to do with the mystery and that you're going to acknowledge that the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ is being revealed in order to act upon that revelation or what's being released in that, in that timely hour. So to go into, so this is different. I mean, the acknowledgement of the mystery is not just the, the knowledge of God. You're talking about an advanced positioning where you're operating in truth and mystery. We all know the church is not operating in truth. Well, I'm not saying they have no truth, but we understand truth to be something that was hidden that is now known. And there's not a whole lot of new things going on in the church, and they're certainly not pursuing partnering in the mystery. So this progression of being in the, in the agape, passionately pursuing what God's purpose is, having that understanding of what you ought to do, and then moving into operating in the mystery, applying what God is saying. But again, in the midst of this, you know, it's just the acknowledgement of the mystery. That was, think about that in the beginning for us, as mysteries began to be revealed to us. And with every new truth, it was just, I don't know about you guys, but it was truly kind of riveting. Didn't everything that you hear, I mean, thankfully, I wasn't ever opposed to those things that were revealed. <laughs> Some were, though. I mean, were they not acknowledging the mystery? What was it? Was it what the mystery was that was being revealed? Had they not heard it before, therefore they were not willing to acknowledge it? I mean, the point of acknowledgement is the entrance of change. It's the only way anything's going to happen in your life is if you actually acknowledge it. So I just find that kind of cool. And we know what the mystery is. We know it's the overall, I mean, the segments, the unveiling of the segments of the, of the overall plan of God. I mean, there's a lot of terms here that you all should know. I do have the definitions here should you need them. But as I speak of this stuff, I mean, you, your, your mind and heart should be, you know, recounting what we've already been taught regarding these topics because they've been um, our staples, our meat, and now our milk for so many years. But he says all this because he wants you to be completely firm in who you are and what you stand in, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, some very persuasive words. And if you don't know what you believe and what you have acknowledged, you know, you could be taken off course. You could even fall away. And I, this has happened to us to our group, 
to an elect, to someone that we would never believe could have been enticed into another doctrine or an adding to or even maybe of saying, you know, that what we're doing, you know, isn't correct or the whole picture. So it can happen to any of us. I think, you know, it's so important, the thing about listening to um, the messages as they're being taught or preached is so important that, you know, with everything that is released, I don't know what you guys do when pastor's teaching or when someone else is up here teaching, but, I mean, I'm just like, yes, yes. I mean, within myself, I actively am acknowledging what is being said. I'm not um, uh, not paying attention. I'm not doing a cursory listen. I'm not. Um, I don't. I don't even know how to explain it because it's become so much a part of how I. And maybe maybe it's just because I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm taking copious notes for the lineup online book, and I'm just you know for things that aren't written in in written form. <coughs> I'm trying to add these terms you know, to the book, but I just, you know, for me, and when I hear something that I don't think is exactly right on, I mean, I, my little thingy inside me is like, mm. I'm sorry, but I do wonder sometimes when I hear something, and I wonder myself, was that really correct? And I, you guys, I looked that up after. I researched what I've heard that I'm not sure what I, you know, whether it's correct or what I didn't think was right about it. Because within myself, I like to know what I believe going forward, no matter what I hear. That was a long diatribe, wasn't it? Let's move to righteousness. Romans 10, 1 through 3. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to this knowledge for they bring they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God so let's look first at the fact that Paul is praying for Israel, and this is the word desis, and it's the word for supplication. This is a word that we use to describe praying and communing with God regarding purpose and assignment and the things that he's called us to do. And I know for Paul, that's what that was for him. His prayer for Israel was a supplication prayer. And he wanted them to be saved, but all he could see was that they were not acknowledging what God was revealing. Therefore, because they were agnoeo of that righteous vision of what God was revealing in this hour, it wasn't that they, you know, we know that the Israelites all believe God exists, so agnoeo is not that. It's that they don't want to know if there's anything further that God is doing. They're resistant to change. They're resistant to the new truth that was being revealed. And so they were trying to establish their own vision. 
They were trying to establish their own agenda. And this is not a surprise because they had not submitted themselves to what the God's vision was. And that word submitted is hupotasso, which we know means to be obedient to. But if you look at the um, suffix there, tasso, that actually means to arrange or an assignment. So that point of obedience is specific to every person. Being obedient. It's very simple, very similar to hupomeno, where you have to abide obediently where you've been called to abide. But this really speaks to your assignment within that abiding. So they definitely were, were missing the mark in that respect. And sadly, we have Christians today that, say, that take this same tack. They, you know, they've been taken so far in Revelation through whatever denomination that they were saved in. And those tenets they believe and those verses that are well rehearsed, they go over and they believe them all wholly. Which sometimes, because of that, they're unable to accept you know, a, a further revelation about, say, agape or, say, faith. Or truth, some of these things that we have become complete game changers for us and have opened the revelation of the scriptures just incredibly. With every revelation, God has led us to new revelation. So it, it's just a, it's a crazy thing, but here's the deal. How we acknowledge what God is doing really does impact how we go.
and you know overcome people that you might encounter that oppose what you believe and we're, we'll see that later if we, we get to it but um, the main thing that we want to come away with is recognizing that how we um, view these things really will impact the way we're able to move forward and overcome and, ha and be filled with the fruits of righteousness etc Colossians 1 9 for this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and pneumaticos understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord and do all pleasing bring being fruitful in every good work increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light what is so funny to me about this passage is there are like a dozen words <laughs> that we have done extensive studies on <laughs> it's like every time you see one your brain goes poof because your brain embraces what you've learned and you want to apply it so you're just like it's not you know you're not really in your own heart and mind you're not just reading the word you're you're encapsulating the entire definition so to try to teach on each one it would be impossible so I'm not gonna but you I put these there for you I want you to see and come to these conclusions yourself based on what you know these definitions to mean but what his desire was is that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and wisdom and pneumaticos understanding. So you have to acknowledge what God's will is regarding wisdom. And we know what wisdom is. I mean, if I sit here and try to de define every single one, then we will be here forever. And pneumaticos, being spiritual, those who understand um, spiritual scenarios and knows how to operate according <laughs> accordingly and that understanding knowing what you ought to do so he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will I mean this just is so big it's just so it's just so big because if we are we can walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing we will be fruitful in every good work. We will, oh, and then we will increase in the knowledge of God. Exano, to expand. We'll be strengthened according to his kratos. Why? For patience, for long-suffering and joyfulness. Joyfulness is that root of grace. Anyway, it's just, oh, look down here. Here's another word, the partakers, that maris. That is a word that means a portion we've discussed this as well that you know everyone's inheritance is according to what god
blessed. You are going to grow. You're going to move forward. <laughs> and there is no other thing than that for anybody, no matter what your calling is. So whatever your calling is, that's the end game for everybody. That you are blessed. That you are growing. That, you know, you're, you're um, moving forward. Okay. Ephesians 1.15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith of the Lord, in the Lord Jesus and the agape unto all the saints... I cease not to give thanks for you. That's how we feel, isn't it? When we know someone is on board, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're, they're being faithful like it says, they're moving the agape with all the saints. Man, we just never cease <laughs> to give thanks for them, right? Oh, but then we must also prosuke for them that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. How is the Father giving wisdom and revelation? In the knowledge. And acknowledging the facets and the aspects of this, that is how you're able to receive these things that God is bringing and giving and allowing you to walk in. The eyes of your understanding, blim, blim, blim. I do, I do the blip, blip, blip better than I do English. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory in the inheritance in the saints. Praise the Lord. I don't need to teach on this passage. We've spent a lot of time on it. But I did want to, I actually had the entire passage there. I took it off. Because sometimes there are things that you just want to declare again. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I removed about five verses. Uh, Philemon. Philemon. I actually don't know how to say that. Philemon. Philemon. Okay. One, verses four through six. Again, thanking God and making mention of you always in my prosuke, hearing of your agape and your faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That the koinonia of your faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. See, this, this is, to me, so foundational. This is an everyday every moment exercise our communication our koinonia that point of fellowship and partnership between us and the lord where we submit ourselves for always going forward in our identity this is this is a, this is a continual thing that is happening what well, says even at the right hand it's the communication of our faith it's at the right hand is effectual when we acknowledge every good thing that's in us. We cannot forget this. This is, this is like the foundation. It's almost like joy. It's kind of the foundation that everything else must spring forth from. Because our attitude and the way we view things that have been given to us and what we're, we've been blessed with really is a platform for other things. Exhortation. 
and anybody, of course, can can interrupt me if you have something you want to say, add, or have a question. That's always always the way. Second Peter, verse one. I mean, chapter one, verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? Through the knowledge of God. That's how grace and peace are going to come. And of Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power, that he's given to all, giving to, given to, oh my gosh, speak English, Stacy. According to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby you're given, you've given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might you might be partakers, koinonias, there's a typo there, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, give all diligence by adding to your faith. Uh, and see, I've always looked at this at eight, as eight things. But it's seven things. Because at the top there, when it says, to them that have obtained like precious faith. So he's already talking to the people with whom he shares this common faith. He says, add to that these seven things. And I've always, not that eight is bad. I mean, bad, I'm, it's just, you know, it just means something else. But I do think it's interesting that he's adding to faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness, brotherly kindness, and agape. Those are the seven things he's adding to what he's doing at the right hand, that point of commune at the right hand. And then he says, for if these things, if these seven things will be in you and abound, they would make you that you wouldn't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these things need to be operative in us in order to and barren there is not actually to bear fruit, but unfruitful is there, obviously. Barren actually means to be inactive, to be unemployed. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind. You cannot see afar off. You've forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things... You will never fall. That's quite an assurance, isn't it? If you strive to meet these seven, these seven attributes and to walk in these things, we will never fall. Because we will be able to, we'll be fruitful in not acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be employed and active in the duties that att attend to that. <coughs> Diligence is a word that means speed or eagerness. So an eagerness to do these things. Fivefold. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. 
And he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, let's look at this. So he gave these five things for perfecting ministry and edification. Until we come into unity of what's being said at the right hand and unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then unto a perfect or teleos man and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in these, this progression is where we become one at the right hand. We recognize our, who the Son of God is and what he has patterned for us. And we, we assume our positions as sons. And then the development thereof, we come into a point of maturity and completion in each stage or season. Because we know it's a perpetual development. It never ends. We're always going through these seasons of development where we are becoming perfect, where we are maturing. And you're only going to really be matured in the, in the thing that God is, you know, working on at that time. Whatever he's developing in that time is what you're becoming mature in. So you may be really mature in one area and really immature in another that he hasn't yet touched. So, you know, so he's always um, perfecting us through the fivefold, not just... You have to have the fivefold offices. They must be uh, apparent and active and functioning in the church. But the fivefold thought is huge. That understanding of the fivefold is really um, an important part of how we come into our understanding for that perfecting our points of ministry and how we're built up in the body of Christ. In verse 14, it says, because if we do these things faithfully in every season, whatever God is doing, we're remaining current and willing and compliant and obedient. Then we'll be no more children that's, that are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. Well, there's a lot of crap out there. Look at that whereby they lie and wait to deceive. All this stuff is happening. <laughs> I did say that. But speaking the truth in the agape that we may grow and expand up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So that, that's really a powerful verse. When we... When we submit ourselves this yielding to the process of how God develops us how he brings change into our hearts how he you know it's like he um, he reveals something to you that you need to let go of you need to change you need to stop you or you need to do something that you don't want to do <laughs> however it is that process it's a continual point of agreement and submission and you know I mean we've lived this so I'm, I'm speaking things that we have that we've lived but this is the point where in every facet every point of uh, relationship 
development, we have to bring our, our willingness and our acknowledgement of what he's doing. That agreement with him is what seals the deal. That is the covenant that you're almost making every time you do that. I mean, once you hear something that you've never heard, whether it's a revelation that we've got to step into and all that, or it's something that God is saying, I, I need you to do this, when you come into agreement with that, you're basically covenanting with God that you will move in that from that point forward. Now, I'm not saying that you won't, you know, falter or err because we are not perfect in that we're without error. But our pursuit is always to be pleasing. It is always, once we acknowledge something, to do the thing that we've acknowledged. And I just think that that is so crucial to our development. Let's move to the, to the truth. We've got to acknowledge the truth. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, oh gosh, have we, how many times have we read this verse and, and, and uh, taught on this? So obviously I'm not going to teach on this verse when it comes to um, the, the particulars of intercession. But this is where we are. If you have not embraced your role and your responsibility in praying for the saints, praying for the leaders. This is a command. It's an instruction for what? For quiet and peace <laughs> in all godliness and honesty. I mean, it, if we want these to be blessed, these are the ways that we partner with God to do that. So verse 1 says, I exhort, therefore, first of all, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all those that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is kalos. It's acceptable. It's approved. Something that we embrace fully and welcome in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So you want others to come into the knowledge of the truth. The, we must be praying. We must be praying. Second Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, Makomai, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will you know one of the things that I I studied um, after we were doing those Wednesday night prayer times and I remember the Lord giving me the word about deliverance 
to the captives and those that are bound and that really stuck with me and so I studied all those words and I did that whole thing and I mean it's you know it's compelling in that this is something that God wants to do but it so far it has not become a teaching sheet <laughs> as it were there's no outline for that but still I feel so strongly that God you know is wanting to give us the power to um, to bring freedom to those that are captive and for me I you know everyone has to can only speak for themselves well there's an obvious statement right but what I I said that to say that for me when I read that or the when the Lord gave me that word I hadn't really seen it this way before oh I don't know that I'd ever even thought about what people were captive of I, I think I may have always just thought it was maybe being um, demon possessed maybe I always thought that it was something like that um, but because of what we've gone through for the last almost two years well two and a half years whatever I recognize that people are bound by the lies they've believed I mean, there's a delusion that has them captive. They're, and, it's not, and it is demonic, but it's a demonic atmosphere. They're not possessed. But they're not free either. They labor under the false assumption that they're free because they're making all their own decisions, but they are bound. They're bound for hell because they're captive to these lies that they have acknowledged that they have embraced, that they, have, that they are couching themselves. I mean, they're echoing that. That is their mantra. And, and so when I, I look at this, it's talking about, you know, that there might be repentance if they acknowledge the truth. See? But before we get to that, let's just go up to there where it says, Be gentle to all men. Don't strive be apt to teach I love this when I looked up apt to teach it means um, God I wrote this down oh instructive that's a great word because when someone is trying to discuss something with you our positioning is to be instructive that is different than combative now if they don't want to be instructed if they're not interested in what you have to say I mean you just move on you don't you don't have to have these dialogues but it does say to be instructive. So we have to be willing to instruct in the truth without striving. And then, of course, to be patient, this is a different word. It's anexakakos. Um, it means to endure the kakos. The root words are ana, echo, kakos. So, you know, it's kind of interesting, but when you're patient, you have to endure what the enemy's bringing in the cacos, what he's echoing. <laughs> and then in meekness, we instruct those who oppose themselves. That's another big word, ante diatetheme. And that means to stand against that impartation of tetheme they've been given or an appointment. They're, they're opposing what God's trying to give. They're standing against themselves. They're opposing themselves. But God, what if God brings this point of repentance, which, again, this is not the usual word of, you know, doing a 180 or a 360, <laughs> as some people like to say, where they end up right back where they started. <laughs> but no, this word for repentance, 
is metanoia. And that means to think differently, to change how you think. It used the word compunction, and I actually didn't know what that meant. I mean, I thought it's meant to, you know, to want to do something, but compunction actually means to have a feeling of guilt, to be pricked sharply regarding something you've done wrong. You know, so I found that interesting that if God would give them, would prick their hearts so that they would think differently, that they would recognize their guilt and acknowledge the truth, that they could recover themselves to be sober again. Think about that. The fact that what they're doing means they ain't sober. They're drunk on the lies. They really are. They're just absolutely not thinking clearly. And they're not acting properly, obviously, based on that. Yes. Well, listen, what you're thinking controls everything else. It is hard to break free when all you're doing is, in your case, maybe beating yourself up over what you have done wrong. But this is, and, and we know repentance leads to freedom, but if you will not fully accept that, you're still living in an unrepented state. I mean, you're still living in bondage to whatever, you know, your infraction was, if that's what the case is. But in here we have, People who have been snared by the devil, and look, this is crazy. The snare of the devil is a, it's, it's him setting a trap, a strategy. Have we not seen this? See, he, he set the trap long ago, and he began his little web of deceit. And as this pandemic happened, we were absolutely primed for the deception. I mean, all this about everybody, you know, being accepted. I mean, this, there's just one thing after another that he brought forth almost like a line upon line. I mean, he brought his, you know, the, he targeted things to begin in the works of change in the mindsets of the people. And I think mainly our youth, because they are the most impressionable, and their biggest message was, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and when you're young I mean you don't want your feelings to be hurt so yes we have to adopt this I mean talk about an easy prey I mean nobody I mean obviously we all have to agree with that right I mean that is not our intention to hurt one another and certainly we've grown and matured and hopefully you know we're not out there bashing people over the head with stuff but and with our opinions or you know whatever else but you know, they really did, I mean, Satan really did set a trap. He had a strategy. This was not something that just popped up all of a sudden. This has been in the works for a while. And I mean, like forever. And so here we are in this time frame, and he has set that trap, and it's, it's has snared a great number of the world. See, these people didn't even know they were heading for the trap. Because the trap hadn't been set. I mean, the trap may have been set, but it hadn't been, they hadn't walked into it. So say you're walking in the forest. There's a trap set. Okay, how do you avoid the trap? 
well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You avoid the trap. But if you don't avoid the trap, it was set to trap you. And these folks did not know that they were being set up for a trap, which is why also they don't know they're believing a lie. But that's what's going on here. They have the opportunity to recover themselves out of this trap that the enemy set who are taken captive by him at his will. Man, that just gets my attention for sure. For, uh, Titus 1.1, 1, 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. So what is this of? This is the faith of God's elect. The eclectos, those who set apart who are at moving at the right hand and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness I love that that's what's happening with us we're at the right hand we're acknowledging what God is releasing the aletheia and this is after godliness, which we should all know since Pastor just spoke on this. If you don't, I did write down the definition here. I'll, I will be telling you. It is a eusebia. It means to respect, to honor, and apply the principles of the purpose of God. It speaks of a discipline and a responsibility and authority. And it is a pathway that leads to happiness and contentment. But godliness, godliness really speaks of our owning the responsibility that we have and revering and honoring what God is doing and what he said. So let's move to rejected knowledge. Romans 1.28 And even as they did not like to retain or echo God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So they, they didn't want to echo what they what they had been told. They didn't want to, see, I, the knowledge here, it says their knowledge, so they knew it was true, but they, they did not want to follow after that. They were not going to echo that. Because to echo that is not just to say it, it, it's to exhibit that. That's how you echo. You're there, everything that's being said to you, you're, it's just, you know, a complete refrain um, that, that we reflect. And they're not doing that, so God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That reprobate, um, at adakemos, um, is to do whatever you think seems good. <laughs> but it's actually worthless and not approved by God. So if you don't want to echo the knowledge that God has has given to you he is going to let you do what you want to do he, he's not going to stop you from doing that even though he doesn't approve of it and he's going to let you do those things that are not convenient <laughs> they're quite inconvenient and the, the thing about that reprobate mind too is it is um, the uh, derivative of dokimatsu which we've studied in the past that talks about um, testing and examining your own heart in the light of the glory when you're at the communion table. Basically, you're examining yourself. So you think about 
someone who is a reprobate mind, they're certainly not examining themselves. They're not, they're not actually attempting to, to echo or to do what they know to do is right. Um, so we, we actually have to maintain that discipline um, you know, not just at communion, once a month, once a month I'm going to look at myself, <laughs> see how I'm doing. No, this is, this is part of our communion with the Lord, obviously, this point of examining ourselves. And, and, uh, but Donkey Mod so also speaks of um, like approving those things which are excellent. So it's a point of discerning, judging. I mean, but you can only really be in a position spiritually within yourself in the right place in order to judge something that is excellent. You have to acknowledge um, God and what he's doing in order to do that. And then finally, this is so funny to end on a, on a passage like this. I was really hoping I was never going to get here. That's why I put it at the end. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm just saying it wasn't, it's not a real humdinger to end, this, end the thing on, but that's okay. Second Peter verse 2, I mean, golly, Second Peter chapter 2 verses 18 through 20. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were, that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled, and they are overcome, and their latter end is worse with them than the beginning. You know, so often, um, there, there are just going to be present those who speak great swelling words of vanity, those who allure through the lust of the flesh, through and, and, you know, those are really, to me, over-the-top expressions, you know, to really speak of lasciviousness and those sorts of things. But any lust, anything that, that takes you off the pathway, and all of those, all that jargon is alluring. I mean, everything about moving uh, on behalf of yourself and to promote yourself and to get what yourself wants and, and to do it, you know, et cetera, is always going to be alluring. And there are those who are maybe new in the faith, and they, you know, they were allured away, um, and then they were, you know, able to, by the knowledge of the Lord, um, be saved. But they get tangled up again with what they what they left, and that that for them is obviously going to be worse because. Well, I don't even know why it's worse. I don't, I, you know, I'm sure it's just worse. They might not have the opportunity to return, is what the Bible says. It'd be harder to save them at that point. But honestly, these things in the world are going on. And, and I think of young ones that I know who grew up in the church and have been allured away. I wonder about the saving of them, you know. I'm not saying that my own children don't believe in God, but, you know, the other things that they are believing are outweighing whatever that belief is. They're almost like agnostic. They, you know, yeah, they believe in God, but are they interested in what God's doing? 
you know, no. What is that going to mean for them in this day where delusion is, is really to snare and to destroy that generation and to destroy anyone who would be deluded by those lies? But the knowledge of God, see, and, and there is the knowledge of God that's just gnosis. I mean, that's a knowing. That there, I read through all those verses, and you're familiar with a lot of them, obviously. But acknowledging what you know to be true is an important facet of our development. And, and having the other points of that commune and development and um, what, like grace, the other things that he gives us because we've taken that step of acknowledgement. And no, it seems like a small thing. I mean, we do it absentmindedly probably almost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some things that we hear, they don't knock us over. It's like, oh, my God, am I going to believe that or not? You know, you don't really do that every time you hear something. I guess some people have. But still, when God says something to you, you acknowledge that. See, and that changes how you go forward. I just thought it was an interesting study. I hope you guys were blessed by it. I did not pray before this class. I apologize for that, so I'm going to pray now. Father, I give thanks for your word. I give thanks for the opportunity to share with the saints this word. I pray that um, how you want this word to impact us, um, how you would want to increase it or add to it, Father, I just pray that that would be in your hands. Um, I speak a blessing over this house, over all of the things you want to accomplish today. Lord, enter in. <clears throat> I pray that we would be, we would acknowledge your presence. I pray that we, we would be aware of your presence and that we would actively pursue your heart and pursue your will today. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.